corner. That's where I do agree with you that there's a part of me that actually thinks that this was uh, staged. <laughs> like a performance, as, a, as I've said. Yeah, performative yeah. anyway, right? Yes. Yeah. Like it's And he's not mad that this got leaked. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lainey. I am the editor of LaineyGossip.com, an entertainment reporter in Canada and also a talk show host. And the audio might be a little bit different today than what you're typically used to. I'm Duanna Taha. I am a television screenwriter and producer, and I have every confidence the audio is going to be amazing because I am, among other things, a tech MacGyver. I've just decided. And as you'll find out later in the show, Duanna is also an imposter. But first, Tom Cruise and his, what do we want to call it, tantrum rant? Has he invented a new expression? Should we all be Tom Cruising? There are a lot of discussions about the surprising upsides to what would otherwise be a screaming fit in the workplace. We will dissect why everybody's having such strong feelings, including the strange feelings of being on Tom Cruise's side for once. And then how do we combat imposter syndrome at work. We have a great letter that a lot of you are going to think you wrote. Uh, Not so, but one of our listeners did it for you. All that is coming up. This is Show Your Work. Well, it's our off week, but we had to come and talk about one of the biggest movie stars in the world, having a workplace. I can't figure out the right word to use here because some people have called it a tantrum. Some people have called it a tirade. Others have called it an outburst. Duanna, what word would you describe or use to describe Tom Cruise's thing? Tantrum seems to be the right place to go because the word when you were grasping, I was like, oh, meltdown. Um, And... I think that is right in the sense of losing one's cool, right? Right, yeah. But I guess what we're like kind of working against is it's not losing one's cool for his own interests, right? And that's why this whole thing is so interesting Um, and or maybe why we don't have a word for it, right? Yep. Every other Um, time that we've had this uh you know recorded like secretly recorded audio it's to show how bad somebody is or how badly behaved right yes and this may Where's, be that but it's or also not. something I else i mean there are some people who wouldn't call it badly behaved i've written about this already like whatever conspiracy theories and how this may or may not be the best press tom cruise has gotten in years but our interest here on this show is to talk about a workplace tantrum, if that's the word we've landed on, um, from someone in his position and when that's ever okay or not okay. So should we just listen to it? Yeah, let's go. Okay. We present to you, unedited, Tom Cruise. Allegedly. Yes. We are the gold standard. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every fucking studio at night. Insurance companies. Producers. And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you motherfuckers. I don't ever want to see it again. Ever. 
And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're fucking gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. Don't you ever fucking do it again. That's it. No apologies. You can tell it to the people that are losing their fucking homes. Because our industry is shut down. It's not going to put food on their table or pay for their college education. That's what I sleep with every night. The future of the fucking industry. So I'm sorry, I'm beyond your apologies. I have told you, and now I want it. And if you don't do it, you're at We are not shutting this fucking movie down! Is it understood? If I see it again, you're fucking gone. And so are you. So you're gonna cost him his job. And I see it on the set, you're gone. And you're gone. That's it. Am I clear? Do you understand what I want? Do you understand the responsibility that you have? Because I will deal with your reason. And if you can't be reasonable, and I can't deal with your logic, you're fired. That's it. That is it. I trust you guys to be here. That's it. care about you guys. If you're not going to help me, you're gone. Okay? So you see that stick? How many meters is that? When people are standing around a fucking computer and hanging out around here, what are you doing? And if they won't comply, send their names to Matt Spooner. Okay. So, I mean, here's the reason why we were struggling with what to call it. Um, it's also a lecture, right? Um, like I think that's it. Like there's front facing words, like words that mean they're about you. Um, and then there's like tantrum or, or meltdown or whatever. And then there's, yeah, lecture or, um, I don't know, dressing down or punishment. So do you feel differently about it now having listened to it for what I assume is the 98th fucking time? I do think it reads differently than it sounds. There are a lot of people out there who hadn't heard the audio for whatever reason, right? Like The Sun in the UK publishes it. They excerpt the exact, uh, you know, script, for lack of a better word, that he follows, which some of it sounds like a script. Um, he is an actor after all. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, they can't listen to it. They're at work or whatnot. And so it reads a certain way. Hearing it is totally different. Yes, it is. But maybe not in the way that I, I don't even know which way you're going on that front. Um, and hearing it is totally different. But I'm still not sure that that comes down on the side of anti-Tom Cruise. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, so, anti-Tom Cruise as a general state of being is one thing, but anti-Tom Cruise's position and or delivery here, uh, you think that hearing versus reading sways you into one camp or another? I don't think it lands. I think that for me, not, sorry, 
I think for a lot of people, it landed differently the moment they heard it. When you read it and then you read the context, oh, people were violating COVID protocol. He was giving a lecture. You can't hear the emotion, the rage. Um, and even though you're reading words like motherfucker and fucking and you're fucking fired on black and white in paper, it doesn't come with the same delivery. Um, you know, and the reason why we're talking about this too is because, yeah, we've had questions. People have asked us to talk about this. We've gotten several emails related to, um, in the workplace when someone is clearly in a position of power, even though they may be justified in their reason for being upset, should they be monishing essentially employees in this manner? And that energy is definitely much stronger when you listen to the audio versus reading the script. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yes, absolutely. But maybe part of the reason, look, uh, no, should anybody ever scream at anybody in this way? Should anybody be called a motherfucker in the workplace uh, when they didn't expressly ask or sign up for that? No, of course not. Like, Fair enough. Understood. But listening to it also helped me to visualize it. Um, mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so when I listened to it, I could understand, again, not condone, but I could understand more what it was I thought Tom Cruise was seeing. May I? Go like, ahead. Can I? Let me Paint set the, the picture. scene. According yes. to my own imagination, right? Yes. So let's say for the sake of argument that this happens during a take or just after a take or something. So Tom right. Cruise is on the set as an actor. Fair enough? Good yes. assumption? Great. Yes. So that means that he is on a physical visual set, which is because of COVID and also because of production, probably mm -hmm. like at least 35 feet from everybody except, let's say, the camera operators and the focus pullers and so forth, right? Right. Let's further assume that he's not yelling at the camera operators or focus pullers who are super close to him. He's yelling at somebody beyond that, right? Okay. Yes. So then that further means all the lights are on the set. They're on Tom Cruise. And he is yelling into what is necessarily a dark warehouse full of people, some of whom are shadowy lit and some of whom he obviously saw well enough to scream that they were violating COVID protocol. Okay. I feel like he said like the people were clustered around a laptop or a video village or whatever, which yeah. means that those faces are being lit up by uh, the light of the monitor. The only reason I'm setting all this context is that I think it accounts for some of the volume in the yelling. If you are literally in a warehouse and mm -hmm. if you have decided that you are like, you're doing this, you're going on this rant, you want to make sure that they hear you all the way in the back. And like for the purposes of Tom Cruise, that all the way in the back may literally be 300 plus feet away. And that's not an exaggeration. I see it that the volume had somewhat to do with the fact that he's masked. It's clear that he's wearing a mask. Oh, interesting. You I did not it. feel that way, but fair enough. Okay. Yeah. And so I thought the volume had to do with the mask. I don't think that, and for me, if he was masked, then I don't know if they were actually you know, just rolling or just had just stopped rolling. We really don't have context in terms of like whether or not this really was in the middle of a take or just after a take or whatnot. So that to me was one of the takeaways is that he, he's clearly muffled. That's so interesting because I didn't see that at all. Although, you know, confirmation bias and all the rest of it. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know, though, that even given what you're saying, he was far away uh, and he needed to be heard is enough of a justification for. And let's be clear why he's angry. Agree with, you know, there's lots of money on the line. There is a pandemic going on. 
people need to uh, respect the protocols. So no one's disputing why he's angry. It is the communication of this anger on a set in a person, like, you know, from a person of power, essentially number one on the call sheet and a producer. Um, That is what there, you know, some of the emails we've gotten, people are taking issue with. And some people don't take issue with it. People are like, yeah, the boss should be yelling at people who are irresponsible. I, I, I'm uncomfortable with that kind of, uh, that kind of rage. Well, I think rage is the right word because I'll, I'm going to, I'll be honest with you. I have heard that level of volume and yelling again in a warehouse setting on a set from people who are much, much less powerful than Tom Cruise. Um, and it, 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 I'm not saying it's okay, but it, it happens and it's about, you know, whatever people not turning in timesheets on time or whatever the fuck else or who the fuck is parking in the shot? I don't know. But I think that the thing that is really causing people problems with this is that on certain words, I think I'd have to roll back and hear it, but on certain words, you can hear him losing control, right? And that's when, to me, it becomes an issue. Um, everybody knows if you have kids or dogs or ever worked anywhere near a summer camp, like sometimes <laughs> only yelling will bring people in line, right? Yeah. Yep, sure. Is that okay? Maybe not. But also a film set is full of people who will push the limits because that's kind of the ethos that gets filmmaking done mm-hmm. in the first place. Um, but it seems clear that while he has a lot of good points, and I want to come back to one of his points in a minute, um, that there are there are times when he's losing control. And that to me is the issue, right? That however heartfelt his feelings are, there are times when he's clearly not in control of himself anymore. Yeah. I also think like on the subject of the tantrum tirade outburst, whatever we're talking about, it's one thing for a man in his position to go off like that to get so ragey to the point of losing control, as you're mentioning. And, you know, an interesting discussion also would be if an audio came out of Angelina Jolie doing it, of uh, Ava DuVernay doing it, of a woman doing it, would it be received in the same crazy way in some corners that it's being received? And I would argue no. Of course not. Of course not. But I I don't think, you know, we don't ask women to do that anyway, right? If you were going to set that audio to like images of men on film screaming at people uh, in, you know, justified or unjustified ways, like fictionally, you could find all kinds of footage of that, right? You can picture Tom Cruise doing this because I'm sure he's done it in the last 10 Mission Impossible movies anyway, like on camera, (laughs) right? But women don't do that. Of course not. Of course, there's no world in which that would be okay. But I also feel, and again, I wonder if I'm justifying or if I'm just able to to me, that when you said, you know, we don't know if he was in front of a bunch of people and what if he was just coming upon five or six people somewhere, I don't know if somebody would be able to whip out their phone and film him that way. Uh, I think it would be a lot scarier if, if I'm, you know, violating COVID and here comes Tom Cruise and there's only three or four of us standing there and he's going to grit through his teeth as he whispers <laughs> to me that I am fucking fired, right? It's the bellowing that tells yeah. me that it's almost more for show mm-hmm. than for, you know what I mean? Than for like the the true terror of somebody dressing you down Oh yeah, in a corner. That's where I do agree with you, that there's a part of me that actually thinks that this was uh, staged. <laughs> like a performance, as, as I've said. Yeah, performative anyway, right? Yes. Like it's... And he's not mad that this got leaked. Exactly. Leaked in quotes. Yeah, if I make a big hairy fuss in front of 
200 odd people, not only is it that everybody hears my message, but if it is in front of 200 odd people, then those 200 people can also see that whoever he's yelling at was in fact violating uh, COVID protocols, right? Yeah. Like that's the other thing about the warehouse scenario that I'm describing. If, yeah. if everybody turns their head, they can see exactly what he's talking about. There's no debate over, yes, I was, no, you Mm-mm. weren't maintaining mm-hmm. six feet or whatever it is. Um, and it serves as a, yeah, a group lecture. You know, you talked about um, like people who had emailed saying this makes us uncomfortable for this reason. And look, no question, no shit. But we also got emails uh, from people working on crews who took issue with us saying a few weeks ago, uh, you should talk to your department head. You should, um, you know, let people know if you see people violating these protocols because they said, uh, I'm too low on the totem pole. I can't do Mm -hmm. that. It's not as accepted as you are implying. So in a way, this is the person who has that carte blanche to go ahead and say so. Yeah. And that is, that's, you know, why this is so interesting because over the course of this last year on this show, we have been talking about protocols, how to follow them, what to call out, and then look at what happened. Like a scenario that we painted, I think a few weeks ago, actually has come up with one of the biggest movie stars in the world getting secretly recorded or (laughs) whatever, deliberately recorded, calling it out, lecturing people and making a whole big point about the industry and how it needs help and this, that, and the other. Right. Um, So that's why there are so many different layers of workplace interest here. And the main one being whether or not that level of rage and anger is appropriate in the workplace, whether or not it serves someone better who is in a, like whoever it was, the two people or whatever, who he was mad at, is it better as a leadership decision to either to yell at them and undress them in front of all of their colleagues and embarrass them? Or is it better to make less of a fuss about it, a production about it, and speak to them privately as Tom Cruise, who was already bellowing or not an intimidating figure on a set. Right. Uh, except in as much, I suppose, or maybe this gives him the latitude to do it. He is one of those people who is seen as being, uh, you know, generally he's very good to cruise. He gives uh, yes. very generous gifts. He learns everybody's name. He's that guy. So there's yes. also sort of that element uh, of this. And maybe- that is his reputation. Like, you know, o- over my years of doing this um, and, and reporting on Hollywood, I, I we've heard lots of Tom Cruise stories. None of them have been, he's late to set, he's rude to people, he, uh, you know, fucks around his takes, he uses an earpiece. It is, you know, nobody's working harder there and working more respectfully than him. Absolutely. And there are, I have personal examples that I've seen with my own eyes of, uh, when it matters for, uh, obviously for press, but nonetheless, like Tom Cruise comes to play. He never gets tired halfway through. He never says, uh, oh, I said I'd do that, but now I'm backing out. Right. He yeah. is the guy who puts his money where his mouth is. And so maybe what we should do is kind of break down the issues or, or rule on the issues one by one. Yeah. To wit, should Tom Cruise be screaming and losing control in this way at the top of his lungs on a set where he is number one on every conceivable list? Yes or no? No. I I concur. I agree. Um, do we think that this was uh, partially uh, staged or, uh, or in some way that, uh, as you said, he's not totally upset that this has leaked? Agree. Okay, cool. Um, Does he have a point? You know, we got a letter from somebody who said, uh, the thing is that uh, this is entertainment and people shouldn't be getting sick and dying for entertainment. So uh, Tom Cruise should get over himself because movies don't need to be made. And so 
there's that. And I yeah. was further surprised to find uh, a not insignificant Twitter contingent uh, that was like, what the fuck is he talking about? People are going to lose their jobs and lose their homes. Hollywood people are so rich. This is nothing. And oh. especially if the scenario that I described is true, especially if he is standing in front of like a crew of 200 people, there's a whole lot of those people who are, uh, you know, maybe ticking through at middle class income wise. Uh, and even if they, you know, like people who are in, you know, the fourth, the seventh or whatever in their departments. Uh, and that's only if they were working all year in a year like this, nobody's been working there. Yeah. Is, he absolutely is justified in saying, if we don't adhere to these protocols, we get shut down. The whole industry gets shut down. Yes. I, and I, I, I do think that that is, a, a, you know, I like, I like the correction of that misconception because, yes, there is an illusion about Hollywood and entertainment. And I don't think enough people appreciate the fact that um, you only see, essentially, maybe this is a bad analogy, but if it's an iceberg, like, the industry is, is so far below the water. You're, Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yes. Like… I don't want to quote, uh, like, industry minimums, but let me tell you about the 22-year-old wardrobe assistant or the drivers who are on set or the, like, trainee grip or, you know, the guys six and seven in the carps department. Those are not wealthy people. Those are people who go from gig to gig making an okay existence um, and, probably doing all right when it's a full year of production uh, and definitely very, very much less so when it's not and who are at the mercy of studios and insurance companies that insure studios feeling confident enough that they can, um, that they can insure these productions so that these films can continue to be made. So 100% he is correct and not hyperbolic on that front. Not at all. In fact, I heard a really interesting story recently about somebody who um, is a theater actor and obviously nobody's going to the theater and is now um, uh, delivering for uh, like for, you know, food services, DoorDash, Uber. Right. Um, and someone who worked in the business, you know, and not a, not Canadian. This is somebody who worked in theater in in London. Um. And so it's not just the fact that, you know, you, you know, are not doing the job that you're supposed to do because of the shutdown in the theaters. It's, you know, it's dreams deferred or broken or forever diverted. And the cost of those, the, the cost of dreams deferred, the cost of having to put aside all the things that you thought you wanted to do with your life. And not knowing at what point you should pull out and cut bait, right? Like, okay, I'm going to drive DoorDash or whatever for a while because I can put that down if and when the industry starts up again, right? But what if it never gets back started up again? Would I have been better off spending that year, I don't know, studying for a real estate license or yeah. training to be a, you know, a dental assistant or whatever? It's also not knowing when to pull the chute. Um, that is putting people in really deeply uh, uneasy and precarious financial and career places. Yes. Do you think there will be any blowback? No. Has he apologized as of press time? No. And yeah. I don't think he w will have to or be called to. In fact, there's probably enough, like, you know, the way that the trades were writing about it, Variety, Hollywood Reporter it's been clear that it, this not is not like a Christian Bale situation. This was, you know, essentially number one on the call sheet, trying to keep people safe, trying to keep the production going after already two shutdowns. Um, and that too is our, my show your work concern because even before Tom Cruise's situation here, um, what, all workplaces, and in particular Hollywood, was grappling with were power structures and toxic 
toxic figures and misbehaviors in Hollywood. We've just laid out the fact that, yes, Tom Cruise does not have that reputation, but the industry does have a reputation for certain, typically male, people who scream, intimidate, yell, abuse, are abusive, on set, in the offices, whatever. Harvey Weinstein, by the way, in addition to being a rapist and harasser and all of that, actually also had a reputation for tearing into people. Absolutely. A horrible, abusive screamer. Um, Yes. And frankly, neither Harvey Weinstein nor uh, Christian Bale nor Tom Cruise in this case is the only one, right? Even if your boss was never uh, in any way sexually inappropriate or otherwise inappropriate, there are so many people who have stories of of being having been screamed at, right? There's actually yeah. uh, an industry study going around right now of Hollywood assistants uh, because of hashtag pay up Hollywood and uh, getting the studios to support the least uh, the least supported and the least secure. And something like fifty eight percent of assistants said they had something thrown at them. So you're right. This is a behavior that is uh, an epidemic. It's cultural. Yeah. It's cultural. So my concern, and I think this is where many people who who this, like, they were uncomfortable about this. My concern is that the repeat offenders who are screamers in the workplace don't have the reputation that Tom Cruise does. In fact, most of them who are screamers are not kind to people, aren't typically gifting the crew and the hardest workers and the people who show up first. But they think they are. And that's the disconnect, that they will see themselves reflected in a Tom Cruise and see the reaction to this, which will be, to answer your question, no blowback. And there will not be any movement and forward progress made on changing toxic workplace cultures. And that is the bigger the bigger concern, like the bigger topic here for us. Even if this was just a one-off for Tom Cruise because, again, yes, he had a legitimate reason. I don't like the execution of, you know, the delivery of his anger. This is, I still don't think that this is good for, like, workplaces and show your work in general. I Look, I, I, I can't sit here and say I disagree. No, we should have screamers and abusers and whatnot on set. That's not what I'm, I'm trying to endorse in any way. Um, and like, we can just leave that point there. No, people shouldn't do this, period, the end. The only reason that we are discussing this, I think, um, is it, the only reason it merits this much dissection in the first place is because our assumption all this time has been that people who were going to abuse their power in the pandemic, people who were going to abuse their power at being number one on the call sheet, were going to do it in the opposite way, to flout the rules, to not, um, to not adhere to the protocols, right? Like basically mm-hmm. uh, what we're talking about, the only reason this is notable is because Tom Cruise is kind of being more Catholic than the Pope in this situation, Right? Like it's more, he is the most adherent. He is the most protocoly. Um, in this situation. In this situation. And, but that's the only reason for us to be dissecting it this hard because otherwise, yes, of course, no, nobody should be screaming this way in film. And if there still are people who scream this way, and if I say, yeah, I've heard it, and other people say, yeah, they've heard it, it's, Usually because the those people who are doing it are not bold-faced names, you know? But I think that, you know, one of my favorite phrases, which I've picked up from Kayla Gray, uh, and I've been maybe overusing it these days, is where is that energy? And the last time we talked about COVID protocols on set and how to report it and what to do with it, I think we also veered into a discussion about calling out all kinds of workplaces and justice workplace injustices and establishing like making it habitual in the way that we tried to or we were before covid hit trying to make it habitual to calling out injustice harassment racism all of that and how it was uncomfortable how do you remember this conversation we of were course, talking of course. about yeah, yeah, yeah. That. so to come back to where's that energy you know what 
I'm okay with a screamer if you're applying that same fucking energy when you see someone like a fellow actor or a director or a producer, as we know and we've heard over the last few years, engaging in what is clearly either harassment, you know, uh, abuse, and it, it, it almost never happens then. So if we're going to take away anything from this Tom Cruise situation, then have a fucking tantrum the next time you see, you know, a PA being groped. Have a fucking tantrum the next time you see someone mistreated that way. Well, yeah, absolutely. To that end, though, um, you bring up a point that is interesting because there is going to be no COVID violation on this set again. There's, there's no way, right? And people will tattle on each other on that set out of fear if, if, only, for, if only not to incur more wrath, right? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, does that not give a, like, that at least has created in a poor way uh, it has created a culture of we will, you know, we will not tolerate anything. And it's giving permission to other people to to whistleblow, to tattle. You and I also spent a ton of time talking about uh, clandestine ways of tattling, clandestine ways mm-hmm. to whistleblow. But, um, you know, with this in place, maybe uh, we don't need this as much. Uh, because he's lost his mind screaming about COVID, so everybody will be COVID tattling <laughs> in an effort not to have him lose his mind about COVID. Maybe huh. that will be the positive takeaway and the balance to, you know, and a further entrenchment of scream culture at work. I mean, but to to walk through your point of where is that energy, you know, what I can see is somebody saying, oh, somebody saw workplace harassment and totally went Tom Cruise on them. Um, you know, that this becomes a, a verb in a different way, you know? Yeah. Go, instead of go Christian Bale, go Tom Cruise. Well, and that used to mean something different, right? But, uh, yeah. but yeah, that, uh, that Keep it now, the same energy. Yeah. But now to go Tom Cruise is, well, I can go Tom Cruise on on anything that I see as a violation uh, in a workplace that shouldn't be there. Um, Like, is the yelling justified? No, but since we're all in agreement on that, maybe that's going to be, you know, reined in a bit. Uh, But it means there's no sense of propriety that steps over calling out something that's bullshit. Keep the energy. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, next, we have a letter from a listener uh, who needs our help. The title of their email is, Help me, I got my dream job, but I think I'm a fraud who doesn't deserve it. Which immediately we were like, wow, let's go. So here is the letter. Um, They need our help because they've just been offered a new job at a very successful company and they're scared shitless. They don't know how they landed this position Uh, They are confident they can do this, but they have another dominant part that makes them feel like a complete fraud. Their career path has been very untraditional. They didn't graduate university or finish high school, so it's complicated. They've been very fortunate with their talent, which is making entertaining content. And then they went from one job to another in broadcasting, and they've been doing this for 25 years. So this is a creative person who's missing the corporate part of things, finding that incredibly intimidating. Uh, don't know, they don't know what initiatives to take, um, even like to make a fucking PowerPoint presentation, they say. So they lack self-confidence there. Um, and as a result, they always felt they couldn't be taken seriously because of the background um, and they needed to prove themselves. 
So they're aware this is going to be demanding. They're ready for it. They love to work. They're excited, but they don't really know where to start. And they're worried that the minute people see that they're a complete idiot who knows nothing, that uh, they won't be able to, to go forward. So they, they need advice from us about this imposter syndrome, learning systems, their academic insecurity. Um, and on top of that, job security is really important to them because they're hoping to start a family. So uh, we are going to call this person Robin. Um, and Duanna, you really love this letter. So what advice do you give to Robin and in general to people who have imposter syndrome? Um, first of all, imposter syndrome, A, is real, and B, does nothing for you. Imposter syndrome lies. It's like saying depression lies and anxiety lies. It is real. It doesn't mean it's true. Um, so I want everybody who is like, oh, fuck, I relate to that letter to just, first of all, go, okay, um, yeah, I feel exactly that same way. That's great. It is, uh, it's good that you relate. That doesn't mean it's true. There was one line in this letter that really called out to me as what we should do. Uh, she writes, I tried to make a fact sheet of all my accomplishments, but I felt that they had nothing to do with this new position. I am a woman who knows how to charm and talk, but also someone who doubts her own every word. Here's what you're going to do. I want you to make a fact sheet of all your old bosses, the ones who were amazing and taught you things, and the absolute goddamn idiots. And I want you to list objectively, looking back, where they had holes in their skill sets what they were not able to do. You know, I had a boss who was shitty at uh, presentations. So uh, they would just kind of rehearse a few points and then say, you know what, I'm not going to bore you. I'm going to email you everything later on. Or right. I had somebody who was terrible at uh, advising people and actually talking to people about their, what they needed to do. Um, guess what? They were shitty at it. But everybody who came up under that person made training new people a part of their, like, what they cared most about, which is right. to say tons of people have gotten to their positions with holes in their skill sets. Nobody has uh -huh. a perfect skill set. So yeah. look at the ways that people before you papered over their holes. That's my first one. Right. Your turn. Okay. Um, I don't have super concrete advice in this situation in terms of like making lists or whatnot. Because when I read this message from Robin, what I know to be true and recognize in Robin in myself is that there are some situations where it is always intimidating until you start doing it. Yeah, for sure. And so the advice I have to give to Robin is you're, you're speaking, um, right now because like you literally haven't sat down in the chair yet and you're a doer. Robin is clearly a doer. They've told us, she's told us, you know, I, I know I can do things. I have, I have no academic background, but when I am into a situation, I learn fast, but that's what people like Robin and essentially me I'm not good at visualizing things. I think you're better at it, Duanna, where you can talk and like build a world. I have to be in the world. I have to be in the seat, touching the things. And at that point, I'm, I'm free and clear. I mean, look, that's, that's amazing uh, to, to say that. And you can have both those energies, you know, um, to, to be in the seat and know that in an effort not to look like you're just idle and picking your nose, you will bust your ass to get done everything you need to get done. That to your point, Elaine, it's like a video game, right? Like once it comes at you, you will knock down each yep. individual thing in your path. And yep. Robin, you know, you said I've been working for 25 years already. Uh, your career path does not just happen by accident to people. Clearly, you've been doing exactly what Lainey is saying and knocking those obstacles out of the way. 
Um, and But I think it's also important to remember, like, pace yourself. Uh, I have uh, a friend of mine, uh, we established something long ago that I was telling Kathleen recently, which is, like, the first six weeks, your job is only to figure out where the bathrooms are and ideally to distinguish one Ashley from another Ashley uh, and one Sean <laughs> from another Sean. If you know what you're doing on that front, then the rest of it is going to come because you're paying attention to your actual scenario and situation around you. Yeah. I guess and my... Since you are in the... And also, Robin, since you are in the creative field, I get it. I get why you're intimidating, intimidated by the spreadsheet and the PowerPoint and whatever the fuck. But, like, honestly, ugh, that is... the. The people who can often do all the PowerPoint and the spreadsheet can't do the creative. I'm not knocking the people who can do the PowerPoint and the spreadsheet, but like, don't let this, again, unknown thing that you can't touch yet, that you're not in the seat yet, terrify you. Um, it, it's one of those things where as soon as you look at it, 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 it becomes a great big like, okay, this is, this is not like coming up with an idea. It's such an excellent point. There are a million YouTube videos and like how-to onlines that can show you how to do a PowerPoint or, uh, you know, can analyze a data sheet, but there's no online whatever about how to be charming, how to come up with ideas mm -hmm. over and over again. That's what they're paying for. That's why they gave you this job for your brain yeah. and your ideas and your charm and your talking. Um, the stuff about, about PowerPoints and, and data analysis, like there's a reason they create computers to do those things. And Robin, I really hope you hear me on this because here, you and I intersect on this. I'm like you. I'm no good with apps, spreadsheets, PowerPoints. I don't like it. It intimidates me um, and it paralyzes me. So I understand why you're feeling that way. Um, so, and I don't have any advice for you on how to get better at that because I'm not worried about that for you. Well, I, I love, that's an excellent point um, that it's not a worry. But I would also say I defy you to find me anybody on the precipice of a big new job that they're not quite sure how they landed who is sitting there all, I got this. This is the biggest job I've ever done and it is going to be no sweat. This is also a normal yeah. and important part of going into the job. Uh, again, to, to where's that energy, this situation? If you didn't have the energy, um, then I'd be more concerned. If you weren't nervous about how to handle it all, then we would be having a different and much more serious conversation. But I will say this about imposter syndrome. Like, you you called it a lie, and I agree with you, and I think it stymies women in particular because, you know, the lie is I don't deserve to be here. Yeah, I and should yet, say imposter I wonder, syndrome lies, not that it, it right? Yeah. Like, it, it lies to you. Yes. Yes. That's right. But I wonder if we can tweak for Robin and for ourselves the idea of imposter syndrome um, or at least see if we can reimagine it as a weapon we can use for good for ourselves. I'm already that, loving this. In that there is an expression that can work and has worked for a lot of people, which is fake it till you make it. Oh yeah. God, so I love we're talking love about imposter. That's right. You know, and I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you about yourself, Duanna, because you fucking fake it till you make it all the time. I know 50% of the time when you say that you know something or you can do something, you're bullshitting. You're just saying it and putting it as a placeholder and then you'll just fucking figure it out. You just did it half an hour ago when you were tinkering with your goddamn computer and finding like a voice thing and try you were very chill, reassuring us, yeah, yeah, I can do it, no worry, whatever, and you're going to figure it out later. You do it all the time. I see it. I've known you for 16 years. Don't try and deny this. But, but I the mean, point I is, is that… that that is, you know, it's, it's, I appreciate you pointing it out, but I think that's just going, well, I'm going to do my best efforts to find it, which is all anybody can do, 
right? You're going to put your best efforts into finding it because you're A, good at your job, Robin, and B, because you're anxious to do a good job, your best efforts to finding out how to do the thing are going to be worth it. They're going to make it work. It's only a concern if you're not trying hard enough to figure it out. So Robin, the imposter syndrome, yes. In a, when applied the way that it was invented, for sure, it's terrible. And we shouldn't believe we don't belong anywhere. But we can tweak imposter syndrome to fake it until you make it. Because the reason I'm not worried that you're one of those people who fakes it and they make it and they actually don't know, fucking know what they're doing, and we know a lot of those people too, is because the fact that you're emailing us and worried about spreadsheets and worried about PowerPoints and thinking about it already and worried about imposter syndrome tells me you're a trier. And the minute I know you're a trier, I know that you can try to fake it until you make it. There is an amazing tweet about this that I wish I could quote verbatim that I'll try and look up and include in the show notes that basically says, hey, everybody with imposter syndrome, get out here because there are real imposters And we need you to fight them. And P.S., they're the ones who are not concerned about their performance. Uh, So, like, carry some of that with you uh, because there are people who truly are just faking it with no intention of making it. And uh, by virtue of not being them, you are going to land on your feet. Go be that imposter, Robin. Good luck. Again, if I don't sound worried about you, it's because I'm not. Amazing. And that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for your letter, Robin, um, and your other letters about Tom Cruise. Keep sending us your uh, keep sending us your notes. We will be back for one final episode of Show Your Work next week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Work hard. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.